Clare means business. A Clare FM exclusive podcast with Josh Prenderville. Hello there, I hope you're well and you're very welcome along to this week's edition of Clare Means Business. We've got another busy one ahead for you. In the next minute or so, we'll hear from a Clare dog groomer and trainer who's celebrating being awarded a prize from Google. Later on, we'll hear how female entrepreneurs from this county and elsewhere are being called on to have their say on business in Europe. For now, though, as I mentioned, an Ennis-based business has been announced as a winner of Google's You're the Business Digital Acceleration Initiative. Dior Dog Care, based in Ennis and founded by Deirdre Ryan, no doubt known to some of you, runs dog training classes and workshops in the county as well as offering grooming services. The business will now receive a customised suite of digital supports from Google, industry-specific mentoring and a €1,000 Google Ads package. Delighted to say Deirdre's with me now and congratulations first of all to you Deirdre. What prompted you to throw the hat in the ring for this then? It must have been a great boost for you. Absolutely. Um, thank you for your well wishes. Um, yeah, I was I was genuinely flabbergasted when I won it. Um, I think I was going through a period of my life where I've been listening to podcasts and, and various different things where the message was, if you're not in, you can't win. And, you know, if you don't put yourself forward, you'll never you'll never find out. Absolutely. So it was very much that, that kind of mindset that, that drove me to apply, even though ridiculous as I thought it would be to, to actually win. Um, so, yeah, I was in London when I heard the news, um, visited my sister. So I was absolutely over the moon um, to be recognized by such a, a global brand as Google is um, it's a fantastic opportunity. You mentioned the opportunity there, and I guess that lies in what this will potentially allow you to do, because I suppose when people hear of dog grooming and dog training, they might not necessarily think straight away that that would transfer itself online. So so just how will that process go and what will that look like in terms of providing those services not in a, a physical space? So I suppose there's different ways to look at it. You know, if you're dealing with a behaviour problem with the dog, um, you sometimes do need to see firsthand the relationship between the dog and the owner and the other variables um, in the house and the environment. But with general dog training, you know, people with a new puppy who are the people I'm really targeting for this course or anyone with any kind of a new addition to the family of of any age, that the basics, um, the basic information in how to help you as an owner communicate and educate that puppy. Um, there is other ways to accomplish that through, you know, I've got a Facebook page that has very good instructional videos. Um, I have there's an instruction manual in that. We do a monthly Q&A. Uh, the online course itself, which has just launched, um, gives a checklist to help you guide you through the process. So there is a lot of support there. And there is the benefit then that you can go back and relook at lessons, relook at videos, mm. hit a roadblock you don't have to go setting up another session with the trainer or trying to you know pay out more money you can go back and different things will click at different times in your journey so I do definitely think there's a place for it You've been at this quite a while um, the the guts of 20 years I believe is the digital aspect of it then the biggest change that you would have noticed in that time and, and dog owners and yourself of course as a business owner embracing that technology it's definitely my biggest change. Um, grooming was and, and still is roughly 80% of my business, and that's not going anywhere. I still love to groom. Um, but, you know, my business, I don't have to advertise too much. I have a good, you know, network of clients and the vets recommend me and, and people just turn up. I'm lucky in that regard. The training side of things, um, you know, I am trying to hopefully reach a larger network of people 
to get the message out there as to what needs to be done with dogs, how we need to educate them, how we need to understand them, which I think is, is a, a step that's really missing at the moment. There's, you know, you've heard it all over the news there about dogs trust. There's so many dogs being surrendered. Um, and, you know, really dog ownership is a little bit at, at a crisis point at the moment because the the expectation that the owner has on this dog that comes into their life and, and they want the dog to behave a certain way and fulfill a certain need in their life. And often, you know, the dog itself and their needs aren't really focused on as much. And if we there's just a little bit of leeway and if we try and understand the dog's point of view a little bit more, a lot of these dogs could end up staying in their home, which is, you know, my main priority and my main motivation for getting involved in dog training is having been involved in rescue for a long time and seeing how horrific it can go wrong and the consequences for the dog and the owner. You know, I really want to have good common sense help available to anyone out there who needs it for a cheaper cost than, you know, having to pay somebody to come out to your house. But it's available. And if you put the bit of work in and the effort in, there's no reason that your dog and you can't get the help you need. Because it's really interesting because that experience in the rescue side of things means you've probably seen all sides of it in terms of dogs and their backgrounds, because the dogs that are being brought into to be groomed, I would wager, would very much be from loving family backgrounds. Just the very aspect that they're even thinking of getting them groomed would suggest that. You've obviously got the rescue side of things as well. And then you'll have those new puppies at, at the beginning of life or at the beginning of, of a time with a new family. You really, I, I suppose, through your career, you've nearly seen every side of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the rescue work, it scarred me really in a way because you know, you're looking into the eyes of these dogs. This is 15 years ago when the pound was horrific at the time. Um, and you're looking at it, it, it was overrun. There just wasn't the, the room for all these dogs that were been surrendered or taken off the streets. And you're looking into these dogs knowing you can't save them, knowing they were being put to sleep. And, you know, that's tr- traumatic for a dog owner or dog lover to go in and know you can only have room for these four dogs. And, you know, that lovely dog there, you, you can't help. So, you know, that really traumatized me as, as a younger person and drove yeah. me to this. And that's why I'll, I'll always be on the side of the dog. I've sympathy for the owner and I'll always try and help the owner. But I'll always try and help them to understand things from the dog's point of view because they're an animal at the end of the day and they didn't ask to be a pet. You know, we have thrust this on them. You are going to come into my house and be my pet. Mm. Um, so I think if people can understand a little bit and like I said, meet them halfway, that they have needs, the terriers need to dig, that, you know, Labradors like to carry things in their mouths, that collies like something to chase. If we can insert ourselves into those needs and create an outlet for them in a way that we can control so many dogs are happier. It's funny you mentioned the breed because I, I have to say I, I love dogs. We, we always had dogs growing up, um, still have a few in, in the family home and, and, and went through different kinds of breeds. But would you suggest that I suppose the, the environment um, that a family is in or a household is in at a certain time would be maybe conducive to certain breeds and not others then? That it's not just a case of we'll get a dog, that, that some breeds are very different to others. Absolutely, you know, 100%. Um, and that's where I think relationship will break down hugely when people have this idea of what kind of dog they want to fit their image or their status or, or what their friends will think. And with, without doing any research into what the dog was genetically bred to do, they might potentially go on Dundeal and get, you know, mm. some kind of dog, a Mastiff, a Husky, some kind of dog that has very strong genetic predispositions to certain types of behaviour. And, you know, things will be all very well and good until they're six or eight or nine months of age. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, the dogs will get bigger, their needs will become more pronounced. What's the biggest problem you've seen work. in terms of your training career? Can can you narrow it down to one side of, of things? Is, is, is it behavioural issues? Is it is it toilet issues? I'm just throwing stuff out there. What's kind of the most common yeah. thing? When I do a one-to-one, and I've actually, I've recorded a one-to-one with a client this summer because through lockdown, um, and I, I, I was doing a little segment on Clarefam McCollum, and the calls were just, astron- I was doing maybe 10 one-to-ones a week and I was getting bogged down from it. And I could see the same, I was doing the same thing every day, every, every session, it was three three main areas. And it was recall, which is come back when you're called, walking on the lead. And then I would always teach a stay as well, because stay is a very good safety and self-control exercise. So I was doing the same, you know, it, it, it was changed a little bit depending on the owner. Some people wanted to work a bit on jumping up or a leave at command or something like that. But they were the three main staples. Uh, pulling on the lead, coming, not coming back when called, recall and lead work. They're the two main things I get asked about, to be honest. Um, reactivity is massive as well at the moment, right. which means dogs that are reactive and barking to mainly other dogs when they're on a lead, that's through the roof, you know, in the last 10 years, really is. Can I ask you about the grooming side of things then? And, and we, we've talked about the cost of living and I, I'm talking about it with almost every business owner weekly at this stage. Have you, yeah. has that affected your business at all that maybe, you know, dog owners who would have been groomed, you know, dogs who would have been groomed, you know, quite a bit or, you know, their owners are having to pull back or you're as busy as ever? Um, I'm as busy as ever, I have to say. I haven't noticed it. That's not to say that some owners aren't, you know, dragging things out an extra couple of weeks and it's just, it's not clocking with me. Because, because to be honest, there's probably people I'd wager now listening to this that would rather make sure their dog is groomed than uh, go to the restaurant that extra time a month or something like that, you know? There's plenty of fantastic, excellent dog owners like that. Absolutely. They would they would sell their soul before they would let their dog suffer in any way, however minute. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have those as customers um, because, like I said, it's the backbone of my business. So I, I, I'm only thrilled that it's still tipping away and, and that I'm still loving it after 20 years. Absolutely. Big, a big achievement. Yeah. Indeed. And just lastly, then, on that note, um, you, you have the, the online course that you've mentioned and a, a new book out as well. How can people get involved with that or, or access the book and what can they expect if they do so? Cool. So, yeah, the online course, you'll find it on my website. Um drdogcare.ie uh, it was partly um, funded by Clare Enterprise Board fantastic crowd that they are and they actually supported me 20 years ago when I first opened up my business so it's nice 20 years later to be kind of reconnecting with them all down there um, so that can be found at the website the dog book is called Trained Puppies Don't Bite Children and it is available through my website or in a bookshop you can go in in person or in a bookshop website have it on their online shop also Really good and uh, very good to hear. Uh, you're just as excited for the future as you have been for the last twenty years as well, which is which is excellent yeah, stuff. Um, absolutely, and it, it's good. It's good just to challenge yourself and push yourself a little bit more. Um, and I, I'm, you know, so looking forward to getting on board with Google and learning all about these digital things that we need to learn, such as email lists and you know advertising and facebook campaigns and all that it's all it's all exciting sounds really really positive and and hopefully we'll chat again and see how you're getting on with it all um but for now um dear Ryan of dr dog care she mentioned she can be uh, her website can be looked up there drdogcare.ie um thanks very much for speaking with us on clare means business thank you thank you so much josh have a nice day 
great to hear another County Clare success at a national level there. That's what we're all about on this podcast, of course, and best of luck to Deirdre going forward. The first lesson of her online course entitled Zen Your Dog is free once her newsletter is signed up to. Now, as I mentioned earlier, female entrepreneurs are being called on to have their say on the future of business in Europe. Chambers Ireland, in partnership with Eurochambre, has launched a new European-wide survey on the challenges being faced by women entrepreneurs. Chambers Ireland President Fiona Candon's now with me. Thanks for your time, Fiona. Before we get into the specifics then, why do you feel it's so important that this survey is filled out by female entrepreneurs? Um, thanks very much, Josh. Yes, it, it is really important. I suppose um, Chambers Ireland is working very closely um, at a European level with our counterparts in Eurochambre who are conducting this survey. And, um, you know, 70% of legislation um, that, that comes from Europe, actually, that affects Ireland. So we're, we're always um, finding it very important that we respond to surveys like this so that at, at policy level within, within Europe, um, we, we, Eurochamber have the backing, I suppose, to go to Europe and ensure that favourable conditions are there in place for, for, for female entrepreneurs. So, so that's why Chambers Ireland have connected in with Eurochamber and we are hoping that as many businesses in Ireland as possible complete this um, on their behalf. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting, uh, as I kind of touched on there, that the last survey in 2021 was about the difficulties that everybody was encountering as regards COVID and remote working. And there's been such a shift in in that two years that I I, I suppose I I can't assume necessarily the things that are going to come up, but I'm sure things like, you know, inflation, energy, those type of issues will be very much to the fore. They will. I'm sure I, I completed the survey myself, so I, I would have highlighted some of those issues. And there's a lot of questions too around digitalisation because we, we, we during COVID, all entrepreneurs had to become very agile very quickly. Um, so it's ensuring, I suppose, that that we have everything we need in place to remain remain in that state. Um, and then, of course, climate action and sustainability is another big area that there's quite a, a bit within the survey on as well. It's just to how ready are we? How much do we know? Are we able to take on what we need to do in terms of, of our own businesses and climate action? So um, all of all of those um, issues are in the survey. Um, so they're the insights that I guess they're trying to gather so that supports can be put in place then going forward. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth in a way when it comes to supports because our entrepreneurs, female and male, being supported enough at the moment? I mean, we're hearing, we've obviously got the, the, the T-Best scheme, which we've spoken to a number of businesses here about, mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the, the nuts and bolts of that, and a number of other schemes. And then we had the wage subsidy schemes throughout the pandemic. But it, it seems like we're going to be on relatively choppy economic waters, at least into the medium term, one would suggest. So, what further supports do you feel might be required for entrepreneurs? Yes, I suppose, you know, helping us um, to have the confidence to grow our businesses and invest when, when the economy, you know, when we don't really know what's going to happen economically. So it's, it's giving us those insights. Um, it's helping, I suppose, to put supports in place um, for female entrepreneurs, particularly in the tech industry, where we wouldn't have as many female, wouldn't have as many entrepreneurs um, in that space. 
so it's um, and and like that is pretty much in for the future you know so we need more female entrepreneurs in that space so it's, it's encouraging that and putting an environment in place a favorable environment in place to encourage it um and also i suppose um any other schemes that can help us reduce those those um, energy costs um and help us push in action some of our, our climate action um obligations you know that are coming down the line josh in terms of the survey, is it important, do you think, just from an Irish perspective, to get a cross-sector, cross-industry approach where possible? I mean, just from uh, the podcast here every week, you know, I've been speaking to female entrepreneurs from, you know, from, from craftspeople to people who are selling a- across the world. You know, there, there's yeah. a whole range of a mix there. And one would assume that the, the, the bigger mix that we can get in terms of information, the better in terms of shaping future policy. Yes, no, absolutely. And Chambers Ireland represents all sectors and all um, sizes of business. So to the, to the entrepreneurs that's by themselves, to, to the very large, larger businesses who are leading big teams, you know, we all still have quite similar challenges. So the survey is open to, to everybody. We want to hear from as many people as possible. I think it was about 70 from Ireland who replied the last time. So if we can get those numbers up, that would be a great voice from, from the business sector in here in Ireland going back to Europe on a very important issue. Absolutely. Are you, just from your own position, optimistic about the medium to long term, not just in terms of entrepreneurs, but the the economic landscape without asking you to look into a crystal ball too much? Um, (laughs) I mean, there seems to be some suggestion that we're maybe in a little bit of a better place than we thought we'd be now, uh, maybe compared to before Christmas. What's your own kind of overall assessment? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, we're, in Ireland, we, we have been lucky. We, we dealt with COVID very, very well, both from a policy level and, and a business level. You know, we, we, we got on with it, really. Um, so I'm hoping, yes, that, um, you know, through our c- connections with each other and um, through our continuous advoca- advocacy into Europe and into international government, that we are all working together to make it as favourable as possible um, here in Ireland. Um, so, like I am, I am optimistic. Um, I think we've done very well with our um, international-based companies that are here, particularly through the COVID as well. So, we 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 are, I think, in a good position. Yes. And again, back to the survey, when it comes to engaging with Europe, do you feel like the understandings there uh, among certain sector, sec- sections rather of the business community and entrepreneurs in terms of just how much policy, um, whether it, it's things like sustainability or measures to combat inflation, etc., that how much yeah. of that is, is directed from Europe and, and why surveys like this are so important? Yeah, I mean, about 70% of it is that comes down to Ireland. So so it is really, really important. Um, and we're just back from a trip um, in late October where Chambers Ireland and the chambers around the country met with many leaders at European level um, to to voice our challenges. And what came, what came across for me very importantly was that the voice of business really is listened to. It's felt has been very, very important in how um, policies and legislation are are um, shaped um, and our role I suppose in Chambers, the Chambers Network and Chambers Ireland is to get ahead of that um, so that we are responding to surveys like this we're going to Europe, we're meeting national government departments and we're getting ahead of the legislation and making sure that we are ready for what's coming down the tracks Absolutely. And just on that note, lastly, Fiona, how can um, people who are in a position to fill out the survey and want to contribute uh, do so? 
Yes, so I think um, log on to chambersireland.ie um, and you'll find a link to the survey there. And the closing date is the 19th of February. So just over a week uh, now for people to get involved and we'd very much encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, but for now, very interesting to talk to you. Uh, hopefully we might be chatting again at some stage. But for now, uh, Fiona Candon, uh, Chambers Ireland President, thanks very much for speaking with us on Clear Means yeah. Business. My pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Very interesting stuff. And as I say, do log on to the website and have your say if you're listening and you're one of the many female entrepreneurs doing great work across County Clare. Indeed, we've spoken to many of you. It shouldn't be underestimated just how much future European policy could and will have a significant impact on many operations locally and nationally going forward. For now, though, unfortunately, that's where time's beaten us for this week's edition of Clare Means Business. Thanks very much for listening over the last 20 minutes or so. And check back at the same time in the same place next Friday for more of your business profiles, news and analysis. For now, though, stay safe and enjoy your weekend. You've been listening to an exclusive Claire FM podcast presented by Josh Prenderville. Log on each week to hear Claire Means Business.